Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the neatest parts of Exploring Missions is being able to interview people here at AFR, AFA headquarters that I have the privilege of working with. Uh, Most everybody here is ministering in churches uh, in in ministries that are local here, uh, in crisis pregnancy centers, uh, just all kinds of ministries of reaching young people, jail ministries, and and they work here, but they got those ministries, and some of them get to go on trips that really are life changing. And we're talking to someone today that their lives were was came back, and you could hear it in in her voice that what she had experienced there was something that needed to be shared. So we want to do that today. Nathan, uh, you've been on some mission trips, some of them lately, and uh, they have a tendency to change your life, don't they? Yeah, I mean, if if you go with, uh, you know, in prayer and with uh, seeking the Lord for what he has, uh, not just to do through you, but also to do in you. Um, I don't know if there's a way to, to not be changed in some way. If you if you're not changed, something's wrong with your heart. You know. Yeah, I mean, if if nothing else, you see a broader picture of what God is doing in different parts of the world, and um, you have a new appreciation for uh, believers that are that are a part of that work, um, and even for yourself, you know, you you can really. Um, I think it just it makes you. Uh, more Christ-like in a lot of ways, just because you you take on more of that mind of Christ that He gives you. He He loves the world. Christ loves the world, and when we love the people that are in the world, uh, it moves the heart of God. Well, our guest today is Ann Reed. Ann has been with us before on two or three occasions, maybe four. You may be the most common <laughs> uh, interviewee guest that we've had. I just thought about that, Ann. But uh, we appreciate you coming. You're a writer for the AFA Journal. And also, <clears throat> she edits my writing and even can, uh, I, I use the word, I still use the word type. It's kind of like dialing a telephone. You don't dial it anymore, but people say, dial this number, and you press it in the buttons. And I don't, it's not typing, it's keyboarding. Uh, I you still know. call it typing. Good. I guess I'm old school, too. <laughs> Good. Uh, but anyway, she helps me out a lot because it would, what would take me two hours she can knock out in in 10 15 minutes and i appreciate that her help in that but you've been on a trip and it was life-changing for you i when you came back you were saying i asked you and you said yes i need to and i said i want to do it relatively quick and and then we were going to interview but nathan comes in for the this is a little behind the scene nathan comes in and we do several recordings for exploring missions at at one time and Ann, I was going to interview Ann, and she said, can't you wait on Nathan to get here? Because she knows your heart, Nathan, for refugees and people that are hurting after you serving and seeing them. And, and so, Ann, I, I appreciate you being with us. Tell us where you went. 
Okay, I went to the border of Israel and Syria to a uh, medical field camp called Camp Eshai. And just want to clear the way initially here because the word camp can be somewhat confusing. It may sound as though um, this is uh, a refugee camp for Syrians. It's on the border of Israel and Syria. Um, it's actually a medical clinic. So a couple of groups of Syrian refugees, those um, Syrians who have fled other areas of Syria that are more dangerous into an area that's right on that border that is demilitarized, so it's less dangerous. Um, No one in Syria is free of danger, uh, but it is definitely less dangerous than other areas. And so uh, those people are refugees. Many of them are living in in tents and kind of broken down, um, partially destroyed residences and um, are suffering in in many ways emotionally um, from things that they've experienced in war and physically and Um, spiritually and in many ways. So the medical camp is a way uh, to invite those refugees in and and to serve them and show them the love of Christ. And they do that by providing for their basic medical needs. And it's right there on that border. border, uh, And it is protected by the uh, Israel Defense Forces. And Israel Defense Forces is known as a very uh, powerful group in the Middle East. So that it's an advantage to everybody. Yes. It's an advantage yes. to Israel because of the relationship and also keeping danger away, but it's also advantageous for the 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 people who are hurting, the Syrians, Absolutely. because of the medical care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, just as a to get a broader sense and, and scope of things, anytime you hear about refugee camps, um, settlements, uh, generally those are – Whatever country you might be talking about, they're near the border, either right across the border or on the border of another country. Um, one is because of the military that most most governments, militaries secure their own borders to where there's more presence there. It keeps things relatively safer uh, when, when you're on the border or near the border. Uh, and then also it's not as far in, inward, inland to walk uh, when you're escaping and refugees generally – uh, have lo- you know lots of walking that they have done, and so once they cross a border to a new place, they want to settle and rest for a while. Um, but in Syria, and, and most I, I know most of you that are listening, you you understand the the broad scope of of what's going on. But these are just some numbers, um, and I don't know if these are the most up to date, but these are fairly recent numbers. Uh, the Syrian civil war that's been happening for several years now, over. Uh, Half million, over five hundred thousand people, have been killed in in this in this conflict. Most of those are civilians. Uh, some of that's through just random um, mortaring and bombing um, in in just civilian areas and 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 things like that. Um, get this: over about five and a half million refugees have come out of Syria, so left Syria and into another country. And five and a half million. Yeah, imagine that. I mean, that's that's the whole state population of Mississippi almost. Plus. Right? More than that. So uh, six and a half million are what you would call internally displaced people. That's They would be refugees if they crossed the border, but they've actually stayed inside Syria and moving from one place to another trying to escape the violence. And there's less and less places to, 
to go a lot of times to, to do that. So you're talking about, you know, I think over half the population of the country has been displaced in some way, either uh, as refugees or internally displaced people. How long were you there, uh, Anne? I was in Israel for nine days, and I was there inside of the camp for about three. They have very strict uh, security, again, provided by the IDF, and they only have um, two hours out of the week um, where the gate on the Israel side is opened up, and it's it's for an hour each, like on one day. I can, I would It's best that I don't even say which days, but on, cert, on one day um, for an hour here and one day for an hour there where it's called crossover, where um, those inside the camp can go out or those outside of the camp can go in. So I was limited as to, you know, which days I could go in and out. So I was able to be uh, there in the camp for three days and I was able to be there when uh, the patients came in and um, it was really... You know, like you say, it was life changing. Um, I've never, you know, had a relationship with a Muslim before. And of course, these um, Syrians who are coming in, they are Muslim and they were Arabic speaking. So we could not communicate with them through language. Um, I was able to interview one Syrian who actually works inside of the camp providing medical care. And she has a very valuable role because she's able to to translate. Her English was somewhat broken, but it was uh, I would say that was the definitely one of the more interesting uh, interviews I was able to do, just to hear her perspective, because she shared, uh, you know, she came in into the camp during the day and worked, but she lived there among those Syrians in that demilitarized zone. And so she was able to, to share with us um, the perspective of the Syrians and how their hearts and minds are changing as a result. And Changing toward or... Uh, They have uh, the way that she described it is she said that she had and the Syrians as a whole have always been taught to hate the Israeli people. Um, So she said that that their minds and hearts are changing because they're seeing the kindness of the Israeli people. Not to say that those who are working inside of the camp are Israeli because that's not the case. They they provided um, the the base camp, the actual physical property for the the camp, and it's primarily being operated by uh, Americans. Uh, Friendships Unlimited, which is a ministry out of Lake Charles, Louisiana. My husband and I were a part of that ministry before we came here. And so they're they're operating that ministry and they're bringing in uh, medical personnel and uh, people from primarily the United States. But there were a couple of nurses there from Australia when I was there. And so, um, you know, they actually they they have a great need for medical personnel to to come in and, and serve short and long term. They're at the camp. Sounds like two things are being done with the Muslims, them being Syrian, the hatred that they have toward Israel, and also the defense they have against Christians. This is a double barrel effort to right. get a mindset differently right. that Absolutely. we, the Israelis, do have kindness. Yes. And the Christians, they we care. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, the refugees, and you've had the opportunity to work with many. Uh, Arabic speaking and all from all over the Middle East and even some up in Europe that you've had the opportunity to work with uh, are the, when they come do does do they still have up the defense of Christians or or 
mean, America's the great Satan, you know, that we hear the propaganda from Iran and others as well. Yeah, and I think they hear it too. They hear the political speak speaking, the, the heavy-handedness speeches going on by their leaders. And, you know, some of that doesn't, you know, trickle down. and uh, But it doesn't take long once they uh, realize that, um, you know, we're being taken care of, we're being helped, we're being uh, welcomed, uh, we're even being listened to uh, by these people. And, you know, they're going to assume if you're a European, if you're a European or if you're a Westerner, they assume you're Christian, whether you really are Whether or not. you are or not. So, uh, but yes, I, that's a... That's it's, scary. It's, well, it is scary, <laughs> and that's a sometimes a barrier to the gospel. Yeah. Um, but uh, generally... Uh, it doesn't take much, uh, just really one or two interactions with, with someone new to our country uh, to, to see those walls, those mental uh, barriers kind of start coming down. And, and some don't have them as much as others. Um, some it takes longer, some it doesn't. Uh, but it's, it's, the key point is that relationship that, that you're building with people, um, and, and it goes a long way. Uh, and I did have a question about uh, the medical side that that's kind of the primary uh, activity going on there in the camp so um what are some of the medical needs that are there like what kind of are there injuries from from uh, actually being attacked or is it more like uh, medical needs that are happening while people are living in difficult uh, circumstances maybe not getting the, all the food and 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 medicines that they need what kind of medical issues it would be both but primarily the second scenario Um, from what i understand the most common ailment that they see are people with urinary tract infections Um, and they do not have access to to good quality clean water and i don't know how much of a role that that plays in that uh, particular ailment Uh, so it's basic medical needs like things that that you know you would take your children to you know the local clinic for uh, as far as the children are concerned, however, they do see some patients who have severe burns, and they do see those patients repeatedly. Um, you know, they may come in, you know, every two weeks or once a month or, or whatever. So they do have some some long term patients that they're seeing repeatedly um, for those types of of war type injuries, and and um, just they see patients long term repeatedly uh, in other types of situations as well. Uh, to follow up a little bit on that is what about emotionally? Were you able to kind of uh, observe like emotional trauma that's still lingering on for some of these people? Definitely. And I think where I saw that the most was with children. Uh, they have a very large tent that has wonderful playground equipment in it. It's got, you know, like background playground equipment. It's got um, one of those inflatable kind of uh, tents and um, it's got... Um, trampoline they've got free popcorn and snow cones and ice cream and I mean it's just like you know like little children going into a Chuck E. Cheese I would imagine for that area and you know these children you know if they're seven years old nine years old ten years old that's all they've ever known is war so what I envisioned I thought I was going to come in there and see all these little children come in and they were going to be like our kids when they go in Chuck E. Cheese you know just kind of throw their arms out (laughs) and run and scream and laugh and and it wasn't like that. It was they were very reserved. Um, those who uh, volunteered in the camp had to kind of carry them and, and show them that this was safe for them to go and play. So that was heartbreaking. 
Very much so. And um, so I'm having a hard time not crying thinking about that. Um, But as far as the adults were concerned, um, what I noticed about them, number one, is that they were very quiet. Of course, you know, we had the language barrier and very, very observant. Um, they 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 were very observant of 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 us and watching us, and uh, that was what I noticed most about them. But but kind, very kind as well. Well, I, I we're talking with Ann Reed. Uh, she's a writer for the FA Journal. Recently returned from a mission trip to the Israel uh, uh, Israeli Syrian border, where there's a medical camp there, taking care of individuals, and it was with. Uh, what's the name of the camp again? Camp Ishai. Ishai. Mm-hmm. Is there a meaning behind that name? I, I yes. found that interesting. Yes. Actually, the government official who uh, facilitated the whole process, his name is Ran Ishai. And so uh, he has a official uh, position in Jerusalem and has worked very closely um, with the prime minister for, for many years, has also worked very closely with the Friendships Ministry for many years as they've done huma- other humanitarian aid projects uh, in Israel. So he's become a friend of the ministry. And so when Don and Sandra Tipton, who are the founders of the Friendships Ministry, uh, they were visiting in Israel and they crossed over into Syria and they were just heartbroken, you know, by what they saw there and and said, you know, to each other, we, we have to do something, but they didn't know what to do. So they contacted their their good friend uh, Ran Ishai, and he connected them to uh, the the IDF and the the humanitarian aid um, head of the IDF. And so he's without him, it wouldn't be wouldn't be there. So they named the camp after that government official, Ran Ishai. Ishai sounds similar to the uh, Arabic word for tea, shy. Really? So, yeah. So <laughs> I wonder, did you get to drink any uh, tea with anyone or have coffee? Or? I did. We had some coffee when we were we were in Jerusalem for a couple of days. And one of the shop owners, um, it was kind of funny. Um, I asked for a specific T-shirt for my son, who is a student at Ole Miss. And I don't know if you guys have been in the 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 old city there but surprisingly in, in the shops there they have american college yes. football t-shirts you can find alabama stuff everywhere <laughs> yeah. and, and mississippi state but no old miss okay so well you won't find us nathan and me crying over that now okay. yeah we went and took, took them all off the racks no <laughs> well this one gentleman store owner said i can actually have one made for me if you'll watch my store for me oh, so wow. we watched his store for him for <laughs> 30 minutes or whatever, and actually made a couple sales. <laughs> they had to wait for him to get back to actually ring it up. But uh, so when he came back, he expressed his appreciation by having some of that wonderful coffee. When you think of your uh, time there and the people you met, anything stand out that you'd like to just share? Sometimes we don't ask the right questions. So this is an open-ended thing for you to share what's on your heart about individuals or whatever it is that took place there. Okay, I've got so many people just running across my mind right now. It's hard, <laughs> to, it's hard to choose. Yeah. Choose one <laughs> or two. Go ahead. Well, I just, um, to preface that question with what, with what the real answer is, um, I just love the, the Israeli people. I just love them. I, I, to- I thoroughly enjoyed uh, being in Jerusalem and um being in the old city and meeting all those Israeli people, they just have so much life and energy, and I just love the people as a whole. Um, now, I met this wonderful lady by the name of Gila, and 
she, uh, I'll try to go through this story quickly because I know our time is limited, but she was in her kitchen one day and she saw these young men running through her neighborhood, um, like exercise running. And so she went outside to talk to him because she's a very bubbly and friendly person. And she found out in that conversation, she initially thought that they were IDF in training. And then she found out they were this friendships crew. And it was before they had set up camp. They were actually living in a small house nearby and they were working to set up camp. Well, they couldn't tell her anything. It was very um, secure and confidential and top secret mission, you know. So she just, she fell in love with those young men and she, um, through her own curiosity uh, and just kindness, she's the person that God chose to initiate this this huge project where the Israeli people are giving all over the nation are giving uh, to the camp. They're giving clothes, housewares, anything that they think that this, these Syrian refugees could use. So when these Syrians come into the camp to receive medical care, uh, they also, when they leave there, they leave with food, dry goods like beans and rice and things like that. And they have the opportunity to, to come into uh, this tent and, and choose clothing for themselves and their children and, and housewares and the other things that the Israeli citizens all over the nation have given to help the Syrian people who are supposed to be their enemy. <laughs> I, I, that's that's <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, you know, loving yeah. those that may not have that same kind of love toward you. Nathan, when I think of this, I can't help but think of how God operates and uses a person of influence or a person of peace. Uh, We've talked about that quite a few times on Exploring Missions, about identifying a person in a community that really you can develop a relationship with. Sometimes they receive the gospel, sometimes they don't. But they here's an example of a lady seeing that and saying, uh, I want to be a part of it. Uh, so you always look for that person of influence or that person of peace, don't you? Yeah. And, you know, it's um, ultimately we know it's God that's working in that person's life, whether they have yet to come to follow Jesus or not. Uh, God still, I mean, we've seen evidence in the Bible how God will take even a pagan ruler and and bring about greater worship for his own name uh, through, through a pagan. And he will do that through a nation, through a people, through individuals. And, you know, I'm sure your prayer is that uh, your friend will, will, will one day follow Jesus as well. Well, I have no doubt that she is on her way. Uh, as I was interviewing her, um, she was telling me all of these amazing stories of all of these miracles. They were obvious, obvious miracles that, that just... She, they asked her if she could get together some coats, and she goes to this local lo- spot where people bring things um, just, hey, it's almost like a, a yard sale drop-off for free, you know. But there's not, you know, it's just random things. And she goes there when they asked for coats, and there were hundreds of coats there. It, I mean, it had to be a miracle. And then there was more to the story. Um, and so she told me all of these wonderful miracles, and that's what she called them. And I said to her, I said, Gila, you know that God is with you, don't you? And she said, in her very strong Hebrew accent, she said, God is with me because God is with friendships. So she knows. She made the connection. She knows that friendships, who friendships God is, that one true God I want to tell you, you know, the Bible says 
that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven. Have you ever heard your works, uh, Your sometimes your words may not match your works, but when your works and your work match and glorify the Lord, it's amazing what can be done. But they, they may not hear your words. What's that phrase? People do not care what you believe until they believe you care. And here the Israeli people are making a difference in these Syrians' lives, and they're going away saying, okay, they're, at least they're having to rethink their relationship with Israel, and they're having to relationship, uh, rethink, more importantly, their relationship with God. Uh, with, with Muslims, Nathan, I wanted to share this, and then one more story, if you can think of it, do this quickly. Uh, you know, a lot of people... Uh, Muslims, they think all of them are the same level. Some of them are just no Muslim in name, aren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. I mean, just as we would say, there are uh, lots of people who consider themselves to be Christian just because maybe they're born in America or they've been to church a few times. Uh, the same holds true in any religion, but you know, I see a lot with, with, uh, with Muslim people, um, lots of nominal um, Muslims. Uh, and and we also think the more devout they are, maybe the more radical, and that's not always the case either. Um, I know some very very devout Muslim friends, and they're the kindest, sweetest people. Um, and so, a lot we have a lot of misconceptions. But I, I think what you were saying about rethinking of of things going on, I think that's happening all over the Middle East right now. Um, it's happening all over. There there's a shaking that's going on. Um, and ultimately, I believe, I think we all believe God is, uh, is ultimately behind all of it. He's not causing the evil, but he's redeeming the evil and he's drawing people to, to himself through all this. And, uh, I think what's really cool about, um, and, and you wrote an article, uh, in the AFA journal about this, about how really what's going on is Jewish people are helping Christians reach out to Muslims. <laughs> I mean, only God can only do that. God. You know? I love that, only God. You know, sometimes we say, how did that happen? Only God. We haven't got a lot of time left. How, uh, in place of a story, how do you think we could most effectively pray for this camp? I would say that pray that communication is facilitated however God would choose to facilitate that communication. Um, one of the things that Don Tipton, the founder of the Friendships Ministry, has said so um, eloquently is that we don't speak their language, so we have to speak the language of love. So uh, I would say pray that God would facilitate his love through whatever language he chooses in that camp. Uh, I would also say that you can do more than pray. Uh, Friendships is actually looking for volunteers. You can go. You can go if you're medical personnel or if you're not. If the story that I told about those children touched you and you'd like to go be the person who takes a child by the hand and teaches them to play, you can be that person. How can they get a hold of Friendships? friendships.org you can go there and you can get uh, the phone number and any information you'd like friendships with an s on the end dot org and you and jeff worked with them for years before you came to afa we did great ministry nathan i see why ann wanted to wait on you to help with the interview well glory to god and we can't wait to see all the things that god's going to do even through a lot of trauma and heartache and 
and just horrendous, unbelievable pain, God will receive the glory. Amen. Be on mission for God, wherever you may be, and be a prayer warrior for all those who are hurting.